First of all, we want to thank the God of heaven through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the privilege that we have uh, to be able to stand before you. I'm thankful for the congregation here at Grapevine inviting me to the study. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to be able to stand before God's people. And I think about how time flies. I think the last time I was at one of these meetings was at Wichita Falls, Texas. And that was in the 70s uh, when I, um, that's when I obeyed the gospel. So, and now here I am here participating in a preacher's study. So we thank God for that. We always like to ask God, I like what Psalm says in the book of Psalms 119 and verse 18. It says, open thou my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And especially in looking at this subject that I've been asked to talk about, about worship, uh, I was told to deal with it as uh, dealing with the value, the value of worship. And I, I want to deal with it in uh, this manner. When I talk about worship this evening, I'm talking about worship collectively. Uh, when God's people come together, I want to make that clear. Because worship, it can be uh, used in different ways and uh, different facets, but my main purpose uh, this evening is talking about worship when we come together collectively. And when I say collectively, I mean like in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where it says when you come together into one place. Uh, when we look at this subject, uh, the format of how I like to deal with it by way of introduction, I like to, in the verse that I've chose to deal, to talk about, to head this subject off, is John chapter 4 and 24. Uh, a very familiar verse, a verse that uh, we've all have probably quoted, have heard people talk about it. Beautiful lessons have been given about God, as it states there in John 4 and 24. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But you know, I think it's very important for us, as we're going to look at this, it's very important for us to look at the context of this verse. So we'll look at the context of the verse. This verse will be my foundation. And as I go through the lesson and as I try to answer some of the questions that have been given to me, I will always, from time to time, refer back to John chapter 4 and 24. So we want to look at the verse, the context of the verse. Then I want to home in on the verse of what does it mean to worship God in spirit and in truth. And then I want to look at basically three points that I've been asked to deal with in this study this evening. And those three questions deals with how can we as God's people have a positive attitude towards worshiping God? Number two, how can we strengthen, be strength, how can we strengthen our worship to God? And what is God looking, looking uh, for from us in our worship to God? And then number three, what are the rewards and the benefit of worshiping God here in this life? So that's some of the questions that I've been asked to deal with. And 
Lord willing, towards the end of the lesson, we'll try to answer those questions to the best of my ability. Let's look at, first of all, let's look at the context of John chapter 4 and 24. As we said, many people have quoted this. But when we look at the context here and when we look at here, we have Jesus, as you, we see in John 4 and 24 and verse 6, Jesus and his disciples traveling. And the Bible said that in verse 6, that now Jacob's well was there and Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, thus, uh, thus, uh, on his journey, set thus on the, on the well. And it was, uh, it was about the sixth hour. The Bible says that in this well was Jacob's well. The Bible said while our Lord was sitting there, a woman, a woman came by. In verse 9, I want you to notice it said, Then said this woman, well, verse 7 says, There cometh a woman of Samaria and drew, drew water, and Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. And in that conversation with Jesus, with this woman, this Samaritan woman, we see that in this conversation, we see that really we can see the master at work. His goal was to come to save all men. At this time, the Samaritans, as the woman is going to state uh, in verse 9, that the, the Jews and Samaritans, they didn't get along. Hostility, uh, hatred. But Jesus' point was to come, and we got to remember that uh, as we come on down and get to verse 24. Now, I'm, I'm not going to deal with every, every verse uh, until we get to 24, but I just want to just get the, the main point. So when we hit the, 24, the 24th verse, we can home in on Jesus and the woman's conversation. But the woman said in verse 9, Then said the woman of Samaria, unto him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, asked to drink of me, which is a woman from Samaria? For the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. We see in this relationship, the woman, she, uh, uh, Jesus asked for water. The, the woman responded and said, uh, the, the Samaritans and the Jews have no dealing, no relationship with each other. I think it's important for us to look at the background and a little history regarding uh, this relationship. How did it come to be? Well, first of all, in my research of the relationship between the Jews and the uh, Samaritans, the Jews looked at the Samaritans as half-breed. Uh, uh, they didn't have a pure bloodline. Uh, and I think that when we look at history and see how did this come to be, uh, what caused this relationship between them. And not only that, we're going to see that it, it really pertained even to their worship or where they worshiped at and their attitude, who's right and who's wrong. One worshiped uh, in the mountain, as we're going to see, uh, Mount uh, Gerizim, and the other one worshiped in Jerusalem. And we're going to see that in this relationship, Things going to come out, and there's where we're going to see where Jesus is going to answer this woman's question and state that true worshipers are going to worship uh, God in spirit and in truth. Well, first of all, when we look back in history, 
We realize when we go over to the book of 1 Kings chapter 12 to get some kind of insight. Where's Samaria and why? How did God's people get in Samaria? And 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 uh, and even how did this worship and, and how did they uh, uh, worship falsely? A worship God in a false way pertaining to Samaria and the relationship between them and the Jews. When we look at 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse 25, notice the Bible said, then Jeroboam, uh, then Jeroboam built in Shechem in the mouth of Ephraim and dwelt therein and, and went out from thence to, uh, and built uh, Peon. And Jeroboam said in his heart, now shall the kingdom return unto the house of David. Let's get a little uh, insight about Jeroboam. Jeroboam was a wicked king. Jeroboam, as we're going to see, he, he uh, cared about himself, his, his, his pride, his uh, possession. He didn't care about God's people. And then with Jeroboam, we're going to notice even how he looked at worship and how Worship, he didn't, he didn't value worship in the sense of worshiping God in, uh, in a correct way. He established some things. Notice it said, and Jeroboam said in his heart, now shall the kingdom, the kingdom return to the house of David. And if this people go up to sacrifice in the house, the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, now, I want you to keep in mind the house of Jerusalem. We see here Jeroboam, he, he knew the proper place where God's people should go. But I want you to notice something. Jeroboam, uh, uh, he said, uh, sacrifice to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. And then shall the heart of the people turn again unto the Lord, even unto Rehoboam, the king of Judah. And they shall kill me shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, the king of Judah. Rehob we notice, according to history, that we know it was 12 tribes and there was a split, a split in the 12 tribes. Ten worship in the north who was under the leadership of uh, Jeroboam and the other two were the southern kingdom and they worshiped uh, in Jerusalem. And I keep, you, keep in mind about Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem, God have always had a place, a proper place for his people to worship him. And God's name was always connected to Jerusalem. The Bible said of the wickedness of Jeroboam, he went, it said about him, it said that in verse 28, whereupon the king took counsel, referring to uh, Jeroboam took counsel and made two calves of gold and said to them, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Now notice, to go up to Jerusalem, behold thy gods of Israel. I'm in verse 28. Uh, for you to go up to Jerusalem, behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Bible said in verse 29, and he set one in Bethel, the other at Dan. And these things became a sin for the people went to worship. Now catch this point. Notice the people went to worship, to worship before the one and even, even unto the other. And this thing displeased God. 
But you see, it didn't stop there. Because see, now we have a split. We have uh, God's people through Jeroboam worshiping uh, in a place where it wasn't a proper place. Now, remember the same when we get back to John chapter four, when the woman is talking with our master and relating to her and she and she's going to ask the question. Notice when we back to John chapter four, it seemed that after the master talked to the woman about, uh, you know, water and the woman told him the Samaritans, they don't get along the Jews and the Samaritan. The woman changed the subject really to deal with worship. Because in the same chapter, in John chapter 4, then you notice in verse 20, the Bible said, the woman said to Jesus, our fathers worship in this, in this mountain. But ye say Jerusalem. Well, we notice Jeroboam knew where the proper place was to worship. Even in the Old Testament, in the old system, there was a proper place uh, that God wanted his people to worship. So the woman said to Jesus, really asking him a question, she said, our fathers worship in, in, in this mountain, and that mountain that she is referred, referring to is Mount Gerizim, or Gerizim. That was the mountain. That was, from my understanding, was that location, and we're going to see what's going to happen because God, people rebel what God is going to cause to happen to those uh, of Jeroboam who rebelled and worshiped there. So she said, uh, asking Jesus a question, our fathers worship in this mountain, but ye say Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So she's really asking Jesus, where, where is the proper place? What, is it Mount Gerizim or is it Jerusalem? But one thing we want to see, anytime we reject God's worship, even in the old system, according to what God has laid down, there's always consequences. We know that the Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and 6, it tells us there that Jerusalem was the proper place. That was the proper place in the old system, in the old covenant. Because the Bible tells us in the book of 2 Chronicles 6 and 6 that God placed his name there. That's where he met with his people. In 2 Chronicles uh, 6 and 6, the Bible said, but I have chosen Jerusalem. I have chosen Jerusalem that my name may be there and have chosen David to be over the people of Israel. But through rebellion, through rebellion, God calls uh, the Assyrians through the rebellion God calls the Assyrians to uh, um, to uh, carry God's people into captivity notice something the value of worship how God looks at it when we don't do it his way even in the old system and especially when we get into the new covenant that we're going to show that Jesus is going to bring in there's always consequences the Bible tells us uh, in the book of 2 Kings, because of God's people, they rejected uh, and, and uh, did things that they wanted to do. In 2 Kings, God calls uh, his people to be uh, led into captivity or the Assyrians. 
2 Kings chapter 17. 2 Kings chapter 17 will give us insight regarding the captivity or even how the Assyrians, once they captured a city, how they would bring other nations there. For instance, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 17 and verse 24, and the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Akuta and from Ava and Hama and from Sapphama and placed them in the city of Samaria. Now I want to stop there. When the, when the, from my end, uh, 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 examining when they say when the Assyrians would go and capture a nation, they uh, came and, and, and took God's people into captivity. Some say that still there was a remnant of some Jews could have been left there. Well, when the Assyrians uh, captured the city, they probably took the best of the people or the crop, the elite, but some Jews, they say, possibly was left there. And you see, that was their technique, really, when they captured the city, they would bring other nations in there. According to history, some say that when the Assyrians, when they captured or when they led God's people into captivity, then they brought other nations in and some of those remnant of the Jew, they would marry. They would mingle. And there, from my understanding, is where here you come the Samaritans uh, uh, intermarrying and mingling. God's people knew from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7. God told his people that you don't marry, you don't marry them from other nations. Because if you marry them, they will turn your heart to their gods, where you would, and turn you away from serving me. So that's just a brief history from my understanding of how that bloodline or that, uh, uh, how the Samaritans and, and, uh, came to be. But when we go back to John, still answering the question of the woman, our Lord and Master honed in on about true worship and things was going to change. It wasn't going to be in Jerusalem. He's going to stay. It's not going to be in Mount Gerizim. But the true worshipers, now we come to the, our main verse that we know that when he said God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But I want you to notice some things that were said there. A lot of times we can take a verse, home in on certain things, but miss the big picture of what the verse is saying and the surrounding of it. For instance, when we go back to John chapter 4, when the woman asked the question, which is the right place? In John 4 and 21, the Bible said, Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, the hour is cometh, cometh and uh, cometh when ye shall neither worship in this mountain nor at Jerusalem. Jerusalem, worship the Father. What did he mean by that? What, what do you mean neither in Mount Gerizim or that mountain or nor in Jerusalem? Listen what the Bible said. Ye worship, Jesus responded back to the woman, ye worship Ye, ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is unto the Jews. 
Now that's something to think about. Salvation is unto the Jews. Is that prophesying that Jesus is coming, bringing something in that through the lineage of the Jews, through Jesus establishing his kingdom, establishing uh, the salvation for all men, that anyone, any nation that fear him and work righteousness could be accepted, uh, accepted uh, by God? Notice again, it said in verse 23, but the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and true. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. He says it's, it's, it's in the working. The foundation is being laid. I'm here. You know, I'm mindful what John said. John said, John uh, said in the book of St. John, St. John chapter 1, verse 17. Law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. There needed to be a change in the dispensation. There needed to be a, a new covenant. Jesus was getting ready. He was laying the groundwork. He was getting ready to die to bring in a new covenant, a new, a new way of worshiping God that would be pleasing to the Father. That's why I like what Hebrews said, the book of Hebrews Chapter 8 and verse 6. Hebrews 8 and 6 says, But now has he obtained a more excellent ministry. Talking about Jesus Christ. A more excellent ministry. By how much also he is a mediator of a better covenant. We have to remember when Jesus spoke those words to the woman, the old covenant was in existence. And Jesus was saying, Then, before he died, that I'm getting ready to bring. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to be resurrected. And the old is going to pass away in a new way, a new relationship, a new way of worship. It ain't going to be at a certain, in the sense of location, but it's going to be where those who obey me. Notice verse 6. A better covenant, which is established upon better promises. And then when he came on down, he said, uh, going back to the John 4, said to the woman, he said, and though God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We should be thankful. We should value worship today, my brothers and sisters. You know, when we look at just the title of my subject, value of worship to God, when we look at value, value means that when we, re when we regard something uh, or hold it as something important, special, that deserve uh, our, uh, our thoughts, our worthiness, that should make us appreciate the worship that we have today. Value worship. What is worship? What did he mean when he said to them that uh, true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth? The word worship, how it's used there in that John, it meant, or the definition means to show homage, uh, to kiss the hand, to show reverence. It means to show admiration, to bow down, to show respect. Do we show honor and respect the way that the Bible wants us to show it? Notice in John 4, 24. 
True worshipers shall worship the Father, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Must. Must means it's a necessity. It's, it's a need to know something. It behoove us to realize that under this worship or under the kingdom of Jesus Christ, that he's going to establish, it must be done. That word must means a necessity. Must be done in a right way and in a proper way. In spirit and in truth. And we'll hit that. But you know, it said, must worship God. How can we worship something if, you don't, if we don't know anything about who God is? God here is talking about the supreme divinity, the state and quality of being divine. Talking about Almighty God, our Heavenly Father. Divine, the first person in the Godhead. So we see to be able to value worship to God, you know, we got to know who he is, what he wants from us. So then when I look at the questions and then answer the questions and using John 4, 24, I think it, it will help us to understand and to appreciate about worship to God and what John 4, 24 is really telling us. How can we have a positive attitude toward worshiping God? We need to know God. What do you mean we need to know him? Most of us say, I know who he is. I know who God is. Well, no, sometimes I think we miss that. But you know, in the book of Numbers chapter, in the, in the book of Numbers chapter uh, uh, 23 and 19, it states there that we need to know that God is not a man. God is not a man. He's different. And we've got to understand, he's a spirit. One translation said, God is not a human being. But see, that's the problem we get ourselves into when we think that God is human, and then we start adding things, and we start uh, thinking uh, it's all right, we can worship him and serve him any way we please. Isaiah tells us that his ways is different than our ways. So then we've got to take the word of God and find out what does God want? How can, how can we prepare ourselves uh, uh, with a positive attitude of worshiping God and valuing him? You know, I think one way of how we can prepare ourselves, I think we can learn, like as some of our brothers said, from the Old Testament of their worship. You know, one thing we find, I see, and I'm going to use a verse and I'll try to explain my point to you. In, in John chapter 19, the Jews, even in the death, you remember, they, they crucified our Lord. In John chapter 19 and verse 31, the Bible said, in John 19, 31, it said, And the Jews, therefore, because it was the day, it was, uh, the Jews, therefore, before it was the day of preparation, that the body should not be remain upon the cross on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath day. Because the Sabbath day was a high day, but sought Pilate that the legs might be broken, that they may be taken away. Here's my point of going there. Notice the Jews, they had a day of preparation. They had a day that, you know, preparation means to, uh, to prepare, to make ready. Now, if we truly worship God today under this new covenant, do we prepare ourselves uh, to value worship, to prepare ourselves when we come together collectively to worship, and especially on Lord's Day. 
Because notice something, even from the Jews, and I'm just taking the point. Now, they prepared themselves, Sabbath coming on. See, we know that they couldn't do certain, they prepared things ahead of time. You know, you could get killed if you've done things on the Sabbath. So you had to prepare yourself. And you know, notice closely in this verse, it said also because, um, notice, it said that the body shouldn't remain on the cross because the Sabbath day was a high day. They tell me that the Passover, and we heard some of our brothers talk about the Passover, the Passover fell on that day. It was a high day. You had the Sabbath and the Passover. And you know in the Passover, they had to prepare. No, what? No leaven in the house. Uh, they tell me, according to history, that with the Sabbath, they would prepare sometimes uh, uh, a day ahead of time to prepare for their worship to serve God. What about us? And we, and we may ask the question, how do we prepare ourselves? Well, I believe we prepare ourselves like Romans 12 and 1. The Bible said, you know, it said uh, we should present our body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before God. Not a dead sacrifice, because see, under this new covenant, it's a living sacrifice. It says there, you know, a living sacrifice. That's how I believe we prepare ourselves when, when we get ready to assemble, looking forward to assemble on the Lord's day. How do we prepare ourselves and have a, a, a proper attitude towards worship? I believe we do that when we remember what Galatians chapter 2 and 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Not I, but Christ that liveth in me. The life that I live by faith, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's daily. We're preparing ourselves. The Jews prepared themselves in their way. We prepare ourselves when we look at Philippians 1, 21. For me to live, Paul said, for me to live is Christ. And for me to die is gain. That's how we prepare ourselves. Are we doing, do we really value? Is it, does it mean something to us? I remember what old brother John used to tell me. Didn't mean much then, but it means a lot now. He used to tell us that when one Lord's Day ends, you're looking forward. You're preparing for the next Lord's Day. See, we don't think like that today sometimes when it comes to worship in God. Sometimes we look at it as cutting a light switch on. It's Sunday, so I'm religious. Then uh, cut it off. Then we go back to what we want to do. It can't be that way if we truly, if we truly value worshiping God in spirit and in truth. So we need to prepare. Lord's Day in, we're preparing ourselves by living the Christian life to get ready for the next Lord's Day. Then we'll have a great value for it. You know, how do, how do we prepare ourselves? Well, John chapter 4, 24 said, remember, they must worship him in spirit and truth. We prepare ourselves when we do what the Bible says according to what the Bible tells us how we should worship God. That's how we prepare ourselves. We prepare ourselves. Notice John 4, 24. He said that you must worship him in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? What does that mean? In spirit? In spirit means we our spirit. 
sometimes I think we get that mixed up. Uh, we think the Holy Spirit is going to make me uh, get ready to worship God and uh, over a miraculous way. No, we have to prepare ourselves according to God. We must yield our spirit. Our spirit is what it's talking about. Someone, the definition of this word spirit, it says a vital principle in which the body is uh, animated. It's the power which a human being feels, thinks, and decides. So the heart, the mind, we have to prepare ourselves. When we worship, our heart and mind has to be in it. Or someone say the inner man. Do we really value worship? Like that, my brothers and sisters, that our mind. Someone put it like this, talking about in spirit, of our spirit, or yielding ourselves. Someone said, it's when we bring all our affections. Notice, all our affections, our appetites, our desires, to the throne of God. We come in to worship and give honor and praise to us. We're thankful for what he has done and what he is doing for us in spirit. But you see, the point that I think is missing today, and we have to be very careful. You got people say, well, I'm worshiping in spirit. My spirit's right. You know, I'm in it, my thoughts. But don't forget about what John 4, 24 said. It said it has to be in truth. We've heard lessons on that tonight, uh, this, uh, this evening. Truth has to be connected. But sometimes we know today, People, they'll say, I worship God. I got my own personal relationship with God. And as we've heard, uh, my own personal relationship with God, I'll, what I think is right. But see, the truth don't teach you that. The truth, the truth has to be according to God's word. St. John chapter 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is true. So if we're going to worship in spirit and truth, we got to give our inner man, our heart, our mind. And then it has to be guided, directed by the word of God for our heavenly father to be pleased. That's how we value. That's how we show appreciation. So it doesn't matter what you think is, is, is not edifying. It doesn't matter what you think we need to make it more edifying. It's what the Bible says. And it can give detail. And we know what we do in our worship. And how it should be carried out. If we're going to value worship and worship him in spirit and in truth. The next question was, uh, how do we strengthen, uh, strengthen our worship? And what does God want from, from us? Well, how we strengthen our worship. I believe we need to trust in the power of God's might. When we trust and obey him, God Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're going to help us. They're going to strengthen us according to his word that where we can can be strengthened in worship. And what I see in it, my brothers and sisters, God has designed worship even in itself. The things that we do strengthen us in our worship. But sometimes we don't look at it like that. I like what Ephesians chapter six and verse 10 say. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Are we trusting in God, doing his will, so it can uh, uh, help us to have strength? You know, he said, be strong, receive strength, power, mighty, strength, so that we can uh, 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 trust in God and 
Worship for him in spirit and truth to help us to gain the strength. If we value worship, we'll do that. You know, I said, I truly believe that the Bible teaches that worship itself and what God has set up for us, it strengthens us. I mean, even in the Old Testament, we can see even in the worship, it was designed to strengthen God's people. In the book of Psalms, for instance, go there with me. In the book of Psalms, chapter 100, in verse 4, notice the attitude those of the old system. Enter into his gates, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. See, this is talking about an assembly here of God's people gathering together. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. If that don't strengthen us, if we're not thankful when we assemble, of what God sent in the Son, and we can come and pour out our praise and, uh, uh, and thank him, then how in the world we value, how can we value worship if we don't have a mindset like this? He said, thanksgiving into his court with praise. That word praise there means sing, uh, song and hymn. Don't we, don't we uh, uh, admonish one another with psalms and hymns and, and spiritual songs? He said, uh, uh, let the word of Christ dwell in us. There should be teaching. And teaching not our opinion, but teaching from the word of God. Singing. That helps build us up and strengthens us. But sometimes we don't value it. And we don't look at it that way. But we look for other things to, to, uh, to help us or think, we think help us to be strengthened in the Lord. You know, the, another question was asked, uh, what does God want from, for, from us? What does God want from us as his people? Well, I got to go back to the John 4, 24 again. It said, he seeketh, God seeketh such true worshipers to worship him. Seeketh means he, he seeketh, he craves. God demands. See, he's God. Remember what I said earlier? He is God. He ain't a man. So he seeketh that type of individual, his people, to worship him. <clears throat> That's what he requires of us because God is a spirit and they must worship him in spirit and in truth. We say, another question to answer, well, what is the reward and benefit of us worshiping him in spirit and truth? Let's look at that. What is the benefit? Well, first of all, we have communion with God. Think about that. If we don't worship him in spirit and truth, there's no communion. I heard something somebody said today about that walking in the light. God is light, the Bible tells me. There's no darkness in him. The Bible tells me in, 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 in uh, 1 John chapter 1 and 7, Says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, who's the he? It's talking about God. And I know there's no darkness in him because 1 John chapter 1 and 5 says, this is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you God is light. And in him there's no darkness at, at all. So when we walk in the light, there's the reward that we have fellowship with God. When we worship him in spirit and truth, my brother, there's a fellowship, partnership, <coughs> a union that we have. I think that's a benefit. Who don't want that benefit? And many think they have that, 
But if it's not in spirit and truth, there's no reward. There's no benefit. But if it is, there's a benefit. What about what's the rewards and benefit? Well, you know, we should be happy. We should be happy when we go or assemble together. Look at that old system again. Remember David, and sometimes this verse is quoted, I know. David said over there in Psalms 122, he said, I was happy. But see, David, he said, I was happy when he said, let's go in the house of the Lord. Well, what was the house of the Lord David was talking about? David was talking about the tabernacle. Now, if he was happy when he said, let's go into the house of the Lord, that was a benefit for him. What about us today as God's people, the church? What is the house today? Well, for uh, Timothy tell me in 1 Timothy 3, 15, that he said, you ought to know how to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and, God, pillar and ground of the truth. The church, that makes up the house of God. Now, David was happy to go in the ta- around the tabernacle of that worship. What about us? It's a benefit. We should be happy. We should look forward to it. Well, we can come and render and give our praise and worship our God in spirit and, and in truth. And then as we come down to a close, what's the rewards and benefit? We show our love to God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. The Bible said in John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. John 15 and 14. Just turn that verse around. He said, you're my friend. If you do what I say. That should cause us to value worship. And then, oh, what's the, what is the true value? God set up a system. that When we come together collectively and worship him in spirit and truth. Brothers and sisters, we help one another. Hebrews, yes, we quote, we, we quote that, don't forsake the assembly, and that's true. But what about the verse that comes before it? What about it? Let's notice a little bit. Hebrews chapter 10 and 24, listen at this. Before he said not to forsake the assembly, he said, let us therefore consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Well, that's, that's a reward and a benefit. Set a system up so that we can help one another. Consider one another. Means to fix the eye. It means to fix the eyes or the mind upon. Can we see the damage when we don't assemble? When we think it's, uh, we separate the church. Church don't mean nothing, but I worship him in spirit and truth. That's impossible. It's connected. It's connected. But sometimes we, as our attitude, we kind of separate it and, and, and forget about how we, we help one another. You know, there it says, provoke one another. Provoke here means to an enticement to do good. We know when someone provoke you to do evil or provoke you to say things. You know, we say that sometimes. You provoke me to do this or that. Why can't the same principle be you? And that's how it's you. We should provoke one another to good work. And how can that come to be or help us to do it? When we come together as God's people 
Encourage one another. Admonish one another. Help one another. And surely we can see the value of worship. And I pray that it helps us to look at it in a different way. And cause us, when we worship, to focus our mind on God. We need God to help us. Sometimes in worship, our minds get to wondering. We're human. And especially, I think of the communion. You know, we said, he that eat and drink and not, he that eat and drink a damnation, not discerning the Lord's body. It's saying, we, we got to have our mind on the right thing. Because if we don't, and, I, and I'm not only talking about the communion, but our mind in spirit should be on worship. <laughs> not on the ball game, not on, sometimes we catch ourselves on so many, mind on so many things. And it's because we really don't value worship. But we pray the few things we've said today would help us value it. It's important. It's got to be God's way. Can't be our way. And if we do that, God is pleased with it. Heaven is smiling upon us. And think about one of these days we can be able to truly be with him for eternity if we worship him in spirit and in truth.